Today I am uh, I'm going to speak to you on a subject that uh, I'm sure everybody has gone through and everybody has experienced at a certain point. It is certainly one of them that plagues me at um, many times, and that is the whole issue of spiritual discouragement. And a spiritual discouragement you'll find as you go through uh, church history that many, many of the great men of God experience such things. Men such as Charles Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards and David Brainerd, uh, John Wesley, D.L. Moody, Martin Luther, all at some point in their life had to contend with the issue of spiritual discouragement. And I use a qualifier there. I'm not just talking merely about discouragement, but I'm talking about spiritual discouragement for that reason, because many times that we are discouraged, it is of a spiritual nature. We also see in the scripture many of the great men in the scriptures um, that have struggled with discouragement. I think of Elijah in 1 Kings uh, 19, after that mighty battle on Mount Carmel, and he slew the prophets of Baal, um, finally runs away into wilderness. He finds out that Jezebel has, has basically put out a contract on his life. And you know the story, he crawls up underneath the juniper tree and he says to the Lord, you know, you might as well take me, I'm the only one who has stood for you. And of course, we know the, the, the rebuke or the response of the Lord was, hey, there's 7,000 others who have not bowed the knee to Baal and to continue. I think of my favorite prophet, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 9.1 that he says, oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the, uh, for the slain of the daughter of my people. I think of the Apostle John, right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after being in hiding for fear of the Jews, John makes a very simple statement, but it's a very telling statement. That statement is, I'm going fishing to return to his old profession because he had rejected the Lord and uh, probably thought that the Lord had no need of them anymore. Spiritual discouragement is one of the most powerful tools uh, and weapons in the arsenal of our enemy. And Satan attempts to discourage us um, in our families, in our professions, in our devotion and our worship to God. And the enemy, what he would do is he would manipulate our circumstances and he manipulates our circumstances specifically so that we would doubt God and even to attempt to get us to even blaspheme God. You know the thoughts that he puts inside your head. You know, where is your God? He'll have us turn against each other. He'll tempt us um, and question our motives and our intents. He'll lure us with laziness and indifference to the things of God. He will tempt us with leisure instead of devotion and with the pleasures of the world and with feelings versus the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Satan's goal, and I think it's imperative that we remember this all of the time, is Satan's goal is to destroy our faith and his purpose to stop the advance of the kingdom of God. And in short, Satan uses discouragement as one of his many strategies to hinder believers 
in the things of God. You know, Satan is called the great manipulator, and a lot of times he likes to manipulate our circumstances to discourage us, to turn ourselves against God. The Apostle Paul knew very well uh, times of discouragement, times of adversity and difficulty. He writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. He writes of himself, being very transparent. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Passed down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. We should realize that the presence of trials and the presence of difficulties does not mean the absence of God. Rather, God works our circumstances for his good, and he causes us to triumph in Christ. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to our God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I find that there are so many times that when we study the scripture, we come across scriptures that we may have heard multiple times or that we may be familiar with multiple times, and they tend to lose a savor. They tend to lose a fragrance. But believer, I encourage you that they never do, that their words are true, their words are timeless. And it is not merely the word of God quoted in open air, but rather it is the word of God apprehended by faith that is our song and our triumph. So in such situations, and I know that we enter a time of year this year, um, you know, uh, the media never ceases to remind us, does it not, that though the holiday season is a time when suicides go up and people are depressed and all the others, that does not have to be us, nor does it have to be us in the world, in the church today. So much is written about a defeated church of an impotent church, but believers, it is incumbent upon us that we have weapons available for our warfare so that we can stand against the wiles and the schemes of the enemy. So what I'd like to do is give you three principles for countering spiritual discouragement. Three principles for countering spiritual discouragement. And the number one, uh, one that we look at is that we do not lose heart. If you go back to Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10, notice his words. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. And believers, despair is not of God. I mean, not at all, right? Despair implies that there has been an absence, that there is a loss of hope. As believers, we have a constant hope. We have a constant certainty of a Lord who had said he'd never leave us, nor he would never forsake us. So we are not those like the world who have no hope. And we're persecuted, as Paul said, but we are not forsaken. 
We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. Believers, as the elect of God, we do not and cannot lose hope. As Paul said, Christ always leads us in triumph. For it is God who goes before us, who fights for us, and who intercedes for us. That is the great truth that the Apostle Paul could say in Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the question that we often ask ourselves is, why do Christians suffer trials and discouragements? And that question cannot always be answered easily in this life. We see trials and discouragement in the prophets, the apostles, the early church fathers, even in Christ. And he spared not his own son, but he delivered him for us uh, for us all. How shall we not with him also uh, freely give us all things? Believers, we must hold to the word of God. And remind ourselves that with every trial and with every temptation, God will provide a way out. He is our deliverer. We do not lose heart. Proverbs 18.10 tells us, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. So the first thing we must always remember is not to lose heart. The second principle is that our sufferings and our trials are momentary. Now listen, trials are designed by God to strengthen the believer, to grow in faith through the delivering power of God. Trials draw upon the unseen God, who then displays his power and his glory in circumstances to cause us to persevere and to enable us as believers to overcome victoriously. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. These are momentary. These are things that at times may seem to uh, come upon us quickly and rapidly. And in our humanness and in our frailty, sometimes we don't see that exit. One of the verses that has been a real encouragement to me in my life and came to me right before I was saved as a sister shared this word with me, which is Job 23.10, which states, He knoweth the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth pure as gold. Believers, God knows the path that we are on. We are to remain in Christ, not to despair as the rest of the world. With eyes of faith, firmly fixed on the victory that will be ours. Remember that in our weakness, his power is displayed. So the first principle is not to lose heart. The second principle is that our sufferings and trials are momentary. 
And the third principle is that we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. Discouragement usually occurs because of circumstances, specifically life circumstances. Satan, the master manipulator, always attempts to manipulate the circumstances and use it as a recipe for discouragement. And we're all exposed to his manipulation as human beings. However, as believers, we are also spiritual beings. And we have a Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And hence, we can draw on the resources of the Holy Spirit to counteract this strategy. Paul tells us again in, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Our discouragements, our trials, our sufferings are those things that are not permanent. They are temporary in nature. I could look back on my own life and I can think of times when I was sorely and terribly discouraged. But as I look back now, I see how God brought the victory and God always brings the victory. Our counter to discouragement is looking to those things which are unseen, which are things of faith things laying hold to the promises of God and belief in God. Johnny Erickson Tata, I think you all know who she is, made this, this great statement. She says, being a Christian does not mean that you are immune from discouragement. It will happen, but you do not have to be defeated by it. Remember the power, hope, and goodness of God. Trust in his promises. Your faith in Christ will enable you to fight and to win the battle. So what must we do? What must we do in times of spiritual discouragement? We must look upward and not look inward. Inward sees human limitations it sees the things that we cannot overcome, but upward sees the unlimited, supernatural, delivering power of God. Psalm 18.3 says this, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Psalm 18.46, the Lord liveth, blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Friends, discouragement is a spiritual battle. It is spiritual warfare. Therefore, it must be countered spiritually. There are four disciplines of our warfare that we are to employ every single day of our life. And you know them. They are prayer, fasting, meditation of scripture, and fellowship with other believers. You will find that it is these four disciplines that our enemy immediately seeks to distract you and distance you from in times of discouragement. And if you are not active in Christ, if you are not spirit-filled, 
then how can one draw on the tools and the power of a God that you do not know? How shall we by faith conquer principalities and spiritual forces if we do not pray? How shall we have eyes of faith and apprehend God at his word if we do not meditate on God's word? And by the way, we're all going to suffer. But I pray that after we have suffered, after we have persevered, after we have tri triumphed in Christ, that it would be said of all of us, when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but Christ in me, for the glory of God, for the glory of Christ, and for the glory of the gospel. Amen.